Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, they say never meet your heroes. That's bullshit. Steve is one of my heroes, one of my mentors, and one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He's done so many amazing things in business and in life. And Steve Sims is the man, the myth, and the legend. Brother, welcome to the show. Wow, I don't know how to I don't know how to follow that. Thank you so much. Um, I, I love everything you you do. Um, the last time we talked, I had you on the audio version because I was um, 75% blind and I couldn't do video. So now we got the video going. So I think I moved up a little bit. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on again. And the reason I wanted to have you come on because this book changed my life. And as soon as I heard you got another one coming out, I had to get the skinny on it. I wanted to make sure I was the first one to hear about it. So for people that don't know who you are, can you please, you know, go into your back a little bit? Wow. I'm an aggravated five-year-old and it's never changed. And it's like all entrepreneurs, but I started off as a bricklayer from East London. I had no money. So what was the point in talking to poor people? Because they didn't have any money and they couldn't help me because I knew what that was like because it stank. So I tried hanging around with rich people and in doing so, I ended up launching a, a, a connection industry, a concierge industry, whatever you want to call it, Mr. Fix-It. And I became the probably the most connected person in the planet that you've never heard of. Um, I've closed museums down in Florence for a dinner party of uh, six at the feet of Michelangelo's David and then had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him. I was asked to get a couple married in the Vatican by the Pope, uh, guitar lesson by ZZ Top, drum lesson by Guns N' Roses, Basically, I was the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with massive checkbooks. Um, but I never did it for that. I did it because I wanted to get to connect with rich people, quite simply find out, why are you rich and I'm not? And I went from that rich word to wealthy, and then I went from wealthy to successful. Why are you successful and I'm not? And I just asked that same question for 25 years to some of the most powerful people in the planet, and then, you know, five years ago, not expecting it to, to do anything, um, but I released uh, the book Bluefish in to try and get people to stop overcomplicating life and really go for what they can, can really do, what they were creating on God's green earth to actually achieve. Um, I didn't expect it to take off, and it did. It became a bestseller and translated into China, Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, Poland, Russia. Um, it's been a bestseller all over the planet and it's, it was just insane. Turned my life around. So, uh, you know, I've been speaking, coaching and training people how to really do that. And then two years ago when COVID turned up, I got aggravated again uh, and started making little notes, little moans, little postings. And people said, you know, well, why are you so pissed off? And I said, I can't believe people are like they are. Um, and then someone said, so, you know, do you want to put in another book? And, during COVID, I wrote another book. Now, like I said, I, I, I read this, I think I'm on my sixth iteration. But the sixth time I actually sat down and made a course out of it to actually start studying it and, and doing what you said. Because a lot of people, they'll read a book and put it aside and never put it into actual work. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff that you talk about, you know, I believe like you do that old school is sometimes the best school. And just being being real, like you said, you know, even just writing hand notes to people 
how it just it can totally blow up a person's business if you just start being real about you know so talk to us a little bit about that because that that changed my whole perspective on my whole business was being real and being being relational so i don't want to romanticize the past you know you get loads of people saying oh you know the old days were the best days try and listen to some of the music of the 80s and 90s and you'll you'll realize that it was just as crap as some of the stuff that we got today so i don't want to romanticize the past but the bottom line of it is if everyone's walking left, walk right. You know, you want to go against the grain in order to stand out. So if everyone's sending emails, send a letter. If everyone's sending a text, make a phone call. You know, so do stuff that people aren't. It makes you stand out as such a growth, you know. And during COVID and even prior to COVID, everyone blames it on COVID, but we were shit at it before then. We are losing the ability of true connections. We are losing the ability of loyalty. Like how many, how many uh, uh, stores do you know now that have loyalty points? Okay. Mm. And how many of your best mates do you know that have loyalty points for you to come and have a beer with them? You don't. So the bottom line of it is loyalty is just a marketing verbiage for, uh, for bribery. You shop at my store and I'll give you some points. So it's cheaper next time. When you truly love something, loyalty points are no longer relevant. Now, to get that loyalty, you've got to have commitment. You've got to have connection. So I started focusing heavily on, you know, how do you connect with your, your client, with your prospect? How do you make yourself so valuable in, the, in that life that the person next to you can half that price, but they'll still stay with you? You know, you think of something that you absolutely love, that they treat you well, they commit with you. And if another brand knocked on your door and said, hey, we're going to do that and it's 20% cheaper, would you move? And you'll find that those brands that you really, really, really love, they'll look after you and commit to you. You won't move based on the price tag. You're there because of the value. And that's why I started focusing on. I really wanted to see how we could connect with people and do it stronger. And the daft thing is, what I was doing pre-COVID, I amplified in COVID, and now it's more relevant than ever. It seems as though it's just getting stronger and stronger. We've, we've got all this, you know, oh, inflation, oh, cryptocurrencies, depression, recession, government, war. We've got all of these distractions. We've got all of this noise. The one thing that you want as a human being is clarity. You want to know what's going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on something now, and it may be, it may be dangerous, but you know, hey, let's, you know, who cares? We'll go for it. Nobody's gonna see this anyway, so who cares? <laughs> Donald Trump. All right. Now there are a lot of people out there that love him. There are a lot of people out there that don't love him. Fair enough. That's called human nature. All right. But here's what he had going for him. And I'm not asking if you're a Trump supporter. That's not the point of the conversation. But can you name two of the uh, slogans, two of the quotes that he used repetitively during his campaign? He has so many that I can't even pick two. I'm a big <laughs> Trump guy, so I love Trump. Fine, great. Then give me the two most common. I can't even think of them right now. All right, so you tell me if I'm wrong. Make America great. Yep. Build a wall. 
Yep. Those are right. two. Yep. Th those were two of his biggest chance repetitive slogans, correct? Yep. Right. Now, his biggest um, uh, adversary during this was Hillary Clinton. Okay. Again, I'm stepping into politics now and I'm probably going to annoy people. But name one of her slogans. You can't. You see, that's the point. Even if you didn't like Donald Trump, he was clear. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. There was clarity and there was repetition. Most of the other politicians played so vanilla, so wishy-washy, that you can't name a slogan from pretty much 15 of the candidates. In fact, let's be blunt, most people can't even name 15 of the candidates. So yeah. the point is that we search for clarity. Whether you like Trump or whether you don't like Trump, he was an easy decision. Yeah. You could love him or you could hate him, but there was no one on the fence. And in today's world, that's the problem. And he was a perfect example. He was a masterclass in it. Again, don't care what your views are on him, but I do want you to look at him as a masterclass in marketing and branding. He made a statement. And if you liked it, great. If you didn't like it, again, who cares? So what? Move along. You'll be fine. But there was no one confused. And in a world of confusion, distortion, distraction, and noise, we want clarity. And that's what we've got to do today. If you're in business, I want you, and I've done this. I've done the $10 challenge. I want you to go up to someone in Starbucks or in the airport or something like that and say, hey, Sorry for disturbing you. Look, look around the airport or look around the Starbucks at someone that you think that could be my client. Okay. And look at someone that's got a computer and say to him, Hey, can you help me out? An entrepreneur to an entrepreneur, you know, assume go, Hey, entrepreneur to entrepreneur. I, here's 10 bucks. I've just had a new website released and I'm not sure if I like it. Can you do me a favor? Here's $10. Look up this website and tell me in less than 20 seconds what it is I do for a living. Now, I've had people do that. I've literally taken people into a coffee shop and sent them off. I've actually taken people that I'm training to try this. And people have come back and they've gone, yeah, he nailed it. And then other people have come back and gone, uh, you're, you're a coach. Uh, yeah. Because you've got the word coach on there. But what do you coach? What is your solution? Who's your avatar? Who's your prospects? What are your relationships? How long have you been doing it? What are your results? All of that information, nine times out of ten, they can't find. So you need to make sure today, today, definitely in this world, you're crystal clear. And you can't be crystal clear if you're following everyone else's noise. If they're all emailing, make a phone call. If they're all texting, Send a postcard. And I think you already know this, but every summer I send out Christmas cards. And I send out Christmas cards to all my clients, all of my prospects. And I just say to them, hey, you are so important in my life. I want to be the first one to send you a Christmas card. So I send it to them in July. Now, here's two things. One, I'm always the first one to send them a Christmas card. And two... Christmas cards are really, really, really cheap in July. So, but it stands out. 
Yeah. And one thing I loved about, like you said, I want to go into the book, but before we go into the new book, is that you would say you would go to whatever hotel you were staying at, you would just write some notes on stationery and send oh, them yeah. out to your friends just saying, you know what? Just thinking about you, not trying to sell you anything. Just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking about you. And I think that something like even something simple like that, receiving that a postcard from Paris from somebody, I think it means a lot that you're just not trying to sell them anything. You're just trying to say, hey, you're in my thoughts. And that's often what I'll say. I'll write. And, and in fact, funny enough, someone got one this morning. I sent a, I sent a, a postcard out the other day, and I just said to him, "We haven't spoken for a while, but never, never dismiss the fact that I've always got you in my mind and my heart." Um, and I just sent that out, and then he contacted me this morning. He'd be, I'd been traveling. He'd been traveling, and he just came back to me. He's like, "I walked through my door to this postcard." He said, "You have no idea how much you meant to." Me. But get this. I posted it. He called me. So there's the connection. You know, that's what you want. You want your people calling you. You want your people connecting with you. You want your people staying with you. How many other people are doing that? So stand out. And now, like, I, I got your book and I took it on my 13-day reset. And I get home and we just had like $6,000 worth of car stuff done on our car. And in the post, in the mail was a thank you card with a dollar scratch off. And it meant so much to me, my wife, that somebody would take the time out, even for a dollar scratch off, just yeah. for something different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? now, and that's what you just, you just got to stand out. And it ain't that hard, but you can't do it by doing what everyone else is doing. All right. So now I have another question because one thing I love about you is because the, the the guy that had got to sing with journey that blew me away because I'm a big <laughs> journey guy, but you always said that he might've just maybe wanted an autograph a backstage pass, but you took it to the nth level and you went no. above and beyond. And I think a lot of companies don't go above and beyond anymore. They're just skating. Yeah. There's too many companies that are actually completing a transaction and that's where you go wrong. So if someone says to you, Hey, I need this in yellow. If you give it to them in yellow, you've just completed the transaction and Amazon are probably working out a way to put you out of business even now. So when you want, when a client wants something, the first thing you should do every single time, I don't care if you work in a cake shop, if you're a travel agent, if you're a coach, if you're an accountant, I don't care. Someone asks you to do something, you look at them and go, okay, I hear what you're saying. Why is that important now? Or why are we looking at that? Why is this the request? Someone says, oh, I want to stick 10 grand in my retirement per month. Okay, what's the end goal? Why are, you, why are you doing that now? They may go, oh, I just thought I had to. Well, do you know you can reach your goal by putting less in? Or do you know you can't reach your goal unless you put more in? If you challenge the request every single time, it shows that you care. And Amazon doesn't care. If you think if you think you've got a relationship with Amazon, phone them up tomorrow and say, hey, I'm thinking of changing my toilet roll. What would you recommend? There's no one you can call. There's yeah. no one you can ask that question of. They don't care about you. They complete a transaction. And I'm very happy with them. But if you're in business and you're in business with these weird things called people, then start showing up as one and start connecting with them as one. 
I love it. Now, one thing I one another story I love in your book was about the gentleman with the Playboy Mansion and how you had to go deep sometimes asking two or three times why. And so talk to us about going deep with your clients and your customers and not just taking that first that first answer and not going to that second, third or fourth level. Well, I think we've already answered that in the fact that, you know, you've got to try why. And, and that's the weird thing. You know, why is probably the most violent three-letter word that I've ever come across. You know, people will text me and they're like, hey, I'm in L.A. this weekend. I'd love to buy you a beer, as though I can't afford my own beer. And I'll just respond with why, question mark. And people will take it offensive. They'll be like, oh, I heard you were cool. Oh, my God, you're arrogant, blah, blah, blah. And they'll go nuts. And then I'll get other people saying, well, actually, I've got a new company coming out. I wanted to talk to you about speaking at my event, or I wanted to talk to you about coaching me. And then that makes sense. And then I can go, okay, makes sense. Let's connect. Uh, But the why is you really trying to pull that back, really trying to understand. When I did the journey thing, he told me what he wanted. And I said, why? Why is that important? When the guy wanted to go to the Playboy Mansion, Why? You know, I could have sold in the tickets, but I didn't. I dared to challenge. And I went, why do you want to go? And if anyone reads the book Bluefish, and you'll realize that it was sent us down a whole different rabbit hole. But I dared to ask why to get to the real answer and the real question. A lot of people, what they're first asking for is not that true hope, that true desire. It's what they think they can get. But with people like me, I look around to see what's possible, plausible, and achievable. And sometimes that's very different to what they're asking me for. Yeah, and I totally agree. Now, one thing, mentioning beer, I think one thing I really got out of your book was um, sometimes, you know, we have people in our organizations that we really don't get along with, but they're superstars. But like you said in the book, if you don't want to chug, if you don't want to sit down and chug a beer with them, are they really worth having in your organization? So please talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I realized I had a lot of people that worked for me that made me money that I didn't like. And of course, every time I had a company dinner, I would almost get stressed because there'd be people at the dinner table that I just didn't want to spend my hours with. And I thought to myself, is this really the whole point of life? And I remember speaking to a lot of very affluent people and very successful. And they said, never recruit on a resume or CV. Recruit on culture. Now, if someone comes to me and they say, hey, Steve, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. This is my resume. Then great. Okay. You've got the, you've got the details. You've got the tactics. But I want to understand Are you the kind of person that I can get on with? Do we share the same beliefs with? Do we share the same vision for what we're trying to do? Now, if that's a yes, if you're not very good on Excel spreadsheets, screw it. I'll either get someone else to do the Excel spreadsheets or I'll train you. I'll send you on a course to learn it. We can learn things, but we can't learn culture. Your culture, your morals, your beliefs, are yours. And if they're not aligned, they never will be. So I suddenly started realizing that if I don't want to, and I took it primitive, if I don't want to sit down and just chug a beer with you or have a whiskey, should you be in my life? So I came up with this little, this little, you know, 
thing in my head and I didn't expect it to take off, but it did for some reason. I came up with this thing. If you're walking up the high street and on the right of you is two lanes of busy traffic and on the opposite side of the road is someone in your life, a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, top salesperson, accountant, whoever, someone in your life, do you, A, quickly look in the window and pretend you're looking for, I don't know, a new mattress and just watch the reflection to watch until they walk past you on the other side of the street. And then you can look up, clearly being able to go, oh, I didn't see you. Or do you dash across two lanes of roaring traffic to jump in front of them and go, Richard, how you doing, man? Let's go chug a beer. If it's not number two, get them out of your life. And I didn't realize this, but I had some really powerful, successful, wealthy people that made me a lot of money in our team that when I found out I didn't like them, I just thought to myself, screw it, I'm going to get rid of them. And I fired them. I didn't fire my worst employees. I literally fired my best. And I thought to myself, hmm, I'm going to lose these clients. My team are probably going to think I'm mad. But you know what happened? My team were thrilled that I put the culture of the company above a paycheck. They stepped up that game. They filled in the slots of the people that... Now, I had like... And like most companies, there's two or three rock stars. And then there's like, you know, seven or eight people that just go to work for a living. When I got rid of those rock stars, because they were also arseholes, all of the other people became rock stars. Now I had a team of rock stars that respected me for my... And then going out with that, oh my God, I can't wait to go out with them. And we have fun and we tell jokes. And we support and we challenge and we push each other. That's the world you want to be in. But the tough thing first is work out, would you chug a beer with that person? And if the answer is no, understand that they are cancerous and it will bleed into everything else that they touch, including clients, uh, relationships, uh, staff, team, and your culture. And, you know, that's one thing about you is that you are who you are, whether we like it or not. You're going to get the same Steve, whether we meet at a club, at a bar, you're going to be the same guy dressed in the jeans and the black T-shirt with the dogs and the motorcycle. Because I remember you told me the story about the one time I think you were in Monaco and taking pictures of Ferraris. And you're like, this ain't me. This is not me. But a lot of people, I think, when they say they want to be an entrepreneur, they got to start dressing up in the suits and taking all the filters on their phones, and they don't, and they can't be real, and, so, and they they wonder why they're not successful, right? Well, let's be serious. We're in a we're in a, a a period of our life now where little kids want to be entrepreneurs. You know, entrepreneurs are the rock stars of the planet at the moment. All right. Um, but if you were an entrepreneur in the 80s and 90s, it meant you couldn't get a real job and you were probably selling stolen audio in the back of your car. So this was a period when an entrepreneur was a bad thing. The, the period of Richard Branson was a bad period to be called an entrepreneur. Now, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. So what we've developed now is entrepreneurs. The entrepreneur that wants the car, that wants the freedom, that wants the recognition, wants the adoration. 
doesn't realize all the shit you go through. If you haven't been screwed over, lied, ripped off, sued, laughed at, you're not an entrepreneur yet. Because every entrepreneur has been through that. And the ones out there, they're like, yeah, yeah, I've been through it twice. It happens. Richard Branson has been, had shit thrown at him most of his life. Elon Musk. How many times do you you hear people just trying to scoff at him, laugh at him, ridicule him? And he's like one of the richest men in the planet disrupting industries that he had no knowledge of. But we revere him. But there's too many entrepreneurs out there that want the lifestyle without actually putting in the blood. And think of it, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of a bit of a freak. You leave a solid secure job to do one where you don't know where your next client's coming from. It's a very tough position, but there's something in it, something in us that that's the life we choose. And my son, Henry, we launched a a, a media company, Sims.media. And he literally for many, many years, seeing me kind of like nearly going bust, you know, getting money, nearly going bust, getting sued, being ripped off by partners, being lied to, being laughed at. He saw all of this and, oh, my God, wanted nothing to do with being an entrepreneur. He's like, I am never – I'm going to go and build bridges. He wanted to be an, uh, an engineer. And then he suddenly realized that, hang on a minute, it's the life that I want. You can't change the leopard spots. And now he's fully realized I'm an entrepreneur I know full well that it's going to be shit the first time I do it. Get going, then get good. Here I am. And so now he's fully immersed in being an entrepreneur and creating the life he wants to create. So now, since, like I said, we're, this book came out about three, four years ago, maybe? Um, yeah, actually, this, um, this, my new one comes out. My new one comes out in October the 18th, which is the five-year anniversary of blue fishing. And what I loved about the first book is when we had down the first time, you said you had somebody ghostwrite the first one. And it was your wife told you, Claire said, that's total shit. It yep. doesn't sound like you start yep. over. So, yeah. and this book sounds exactly like you. So obviously the new book is going to sound exactly. We like- had to do the same thing. We had a couple of people. You've got to, it's like dating. You know, you can't go, you can't go on the first date and expect it to be the person you marry. You know, you've got to make sure everything's in line. And we did the same thing here. We had to find someone that had our tone and we managed to find, uh, we managed to find it. So we're, we're all very happy. Um, we think the tone, in fact, Claire, I write the book with the ghost writer and then we give it to Claire and Claire reads it just to make sure she's aware that it's me. Um, and in the first chapter, it wasn't, so we, we rewrote it, but she actually put it down the other day and your wife, your wife and your kids, they never like to give you compliments. You know, they like to keep you a bit grounded. In fact, my kids, my kids are borderline narcissistic. They're just, they're just not nice. I could be hanging around with the Pope or Keanu Reeves and they'll be like, uh, any other dad, Hey, that cool. But me, uh, you know, it's just what it is. But my wife actually came over the other day and she went, look, I don't want to get you too flappy, but this one's better than blue fishing. And I was like, wow. You know, so that, that was, that was probably the highest compliment I could have got. That's awesome. So talk to us a little bit about, um, you said October 18th coming out. Yep. 
but you have also some stuff coming up. I think on September 15th, you got something going on. I know Tammy Girl is going to be involved. You oh, got the speakeasies oh. coming up. So talk yeah. about what you got coming up. I'm busy. Um, and it was probably the worst time to release a book and the best time to release a book. But um, I've got, I'm in Toronto actually tomorrow uh, at Changemakers, Giovanni's uh, um, former Archangel Academy event in Toronto with uh, some of my good pals, uh, Jim Quick, Ben Hardy, Kassam Aslam. You know, we got some really cool kids up there uh, that, are, that are speaking with Gio at his event. Um, then I come back. Then we were supposed to be speaking with uh, Branson, but I think they're moving the event to 2023 now. Okay. Um, and then I'm keynote uh, speaker at Traffic and Conversion in San Diego, Business Combat in West Hollywood. Then I fly to Austin, Texas at War Room. Then I fly to Dallas, Texas for um, higher level. It's It's just speaking gig after speaking gig. And of course, in between that, I've got my speakeasy uh, in Los Angeles at simspeakeasy.com. And the final day of the speakeasy on the 18th of October, I've got a pretty cool little venue and I'm kicking off my launch party for Go For Stupid. So there's a lot going on. I love it. So now a lot of people, you know, that are watching this are veterans. Um, they're just getting out of the military. You know, they no longer have a mission. They no longer have a career. Some of them don't have money coming in and they want to be, um, become entrepreneurs. What kind of advice can you give them? You're screwed. Here's, here's why they're screwed. And this is why they need to understand that they're screwed in a good way. You see, you've lived your entire life in the military working to the result the person wants, but based on as very little information as possible. You're given very little info, yet you're still told to go and get the result that, that they need, okay? You work on time. You work to responsibility. You take responsibility, okay? All of these kind of attributes, normal people don't have. So you already stand out. The worst thing you can do as a vet is try and fit into civilian life where they are lazy. They will turn up late. They will get it done when they get around to doing it. Keep your discipline. Keep your principles. Stand out and make it very clear. As a vet, I turn up on time. If I turn up on time, I'm late. I turn up five minutes beforehand. When I need to get a job done, the job is done and it's only finished when it's done. It's not finished at five o'clock. It's finished when it's done. Those kind of morals, those kind of disciplines, most people don't carry today. So if you try to get in with the civilian world, don't do it, okay? You're already above that to start with. Stand proud with the disciplines and disciples that you actually have and let people know you've got them. That You're going to be wanted. I guarantee it. I love it. Brother, thank you so much. So one last question is, how do we find you again? How do we support your mission? Well, I'm very easy to find. I'm at Steve D. Sims absolutely everywhere. So whether you want to go to stevedsims.com, whether you want to go to Instagram, Twitter, link, wherever you consume your media, look up Steve D. Sims, D for dashing, one M in Sims, you'll find me. I love it, Steve. Thank you so much for hanging out today. You know, I appreciate you and I love you. Thank you for being a mentor to me.
Oh, did we lose Richard? I think his camera's gone off. Oh, he's back. Grateful for everything you've done for me. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you. We lost you for a split second there, but uh, I appreciate your words, and uh, I, I hope you can keep doing what you're doing, which is helping other people become better versions of themselves. Yep, and I hope I get to see you coming in October at the Speakeasy. Have a good one. Guys, make sure you check them out. Make sure you pick up this book, Blue Fishing. Make sure you pick it up and then get the new book because it's going to be truly amazing. Guys, I love you. Remember, vertical momentum, the only way to go is butt up. Thank you, Steve, so much. Cheers.